I'd like to do actually a topical uh, study this morning, and uh, so we're going to be in the book of Proverbs, a couple different book, uh, verses in the book of Proverbs. I think I was a junior in college when a good friend of mine uh, bought me a new alarm clock, and uh, that was very much appreciated. Uh, this alarm clock had a nice big display, made a lot of big noises, you know, things that alarm clocks do, but this one had a special feature to it. It had a wire connected to a remote control. So I could have the alarm clock on the other side of my dorm room and the remote control in bed next to me. Perfect. So when the alarm went off in the morning, I didn't have to get out of bed and turn it off. I could just push the snooze button. That was a great... Whoever thought of that was either brilliant or cruel. Um, I'll tell you what, that was the... That was that was the demise of me that year, uh, having that right next to my pillow. Just, wow, unbelievable. All right. Um, yeah, that's good. I got rid of that thing. So, um, Let me give you a couple quotes. You might know some of these quotes. These are not things that I wrote, and uh, some of these are pretty familiar. So see if you can help me finish these. Um, he who hesitates is lost, right? Have you ever heard that before? He who hesitates is lost. Some of you are looking blank. Okay, fine. Uh, he who hesitates is lost, and uh, the person that is just ready to roll uh, usually is the one that gets where they're going. Okay, he who hesitates is lost. How about this one? This one's not as familiar. One of these days is none of these days. Have you ever heard that before? One of these days. Have you ever said that? You know, one of these days I'm going to whatever. One of these days is, in fact, None of these days for most people. Uh-oh, here's a good one. Procrastination is like a credit card. It's a lot of fun until you get the bill. Yes, okay, that's good. How about this one? The best way to get something done is to begin. That's ancient wisdom right there. The best way to get something done is to begin. A year from now, you may wish you had started today. Yes, okay, good. Easier now makes for a lot harder later. Harder now leads to much easier later. Those are good quotes. Some of those things you should put in your dorm room next to your uh, remote control snooze button. All right. One of these days is none of these days. Procrastination is like a credit card. It's a lot of fun until you get the bill. I want to talk today uh, in brief here about procrastination. And uh, it's a term I'm assuming you're familiar with. Uh, probably nobody had to train you to procrastinate. Uh, that's something that's generally inborn, uh, except with Pastor. I think he somehow was probably born without that propensity. Um, uh, it's more inborn for most of us. Uh, so if I was to say, okay, hey, do you consider yourself a procrastinator? Don't raise your hand. If I was to ask you that question by way of introduction, do you consider yourself a procrastinator? Like this, let's pretend you were supposed to have your music ready for the ensemble piece, and you thought, oh, I'll just grab it later. I'm just making up an illustration. Let's pretend that was the case. No, I'm just teasing. I really am teasing. Really. But you can see, if I said, okay, raise your, don't raise your hand, are you a procrastinator? What would you say? Uh, how does it make you feel? Oh, don't say that P word. Oh, oh, man, it makes me feel yucky. 
Okay, well, how do you feel about that? I want to talk about four things this morning, kind of from a topical standpoint, dealing with the topic of procrastination. And you're in the book of Proverbs. I want you to find Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs 20. All right, so this is actually a workshop I did a number of years ago for face-to-face. And uh, I was asked to do it. <clears throat> I was asked to do it like a month ahead of time. Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I can talk about procrastination. You better believe it. <clears throat> you can picture the rest of the story of how that goes. Oh, yeah, no problem. The night before, procrastination is doing this. What time is it? Oh, this thing is coming up. Wow. Okay, all right. I'm sure that's an overstatement. It was not like that at all. All right, so Proverbs 20, look at verse 4. Proverbs 24 says, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore he shall beg in harvest and have nothing. Here's four thoughts I have for you today. The first is essentially this, understand the nature of the problem. And uh, I, I, I use the word P like it's a really bad word. We're all familiar with it. And the truth is we are. Procrastination is actually a fairly much a common, it's a common dilemma in all of our lives. How do you deal with that propensity to procrastinate? And uh, so first of all, I want to just talk about the nature of the problem. And uh, just in general, uh, we procrastinate because we somewhere think that the circumstances that we're facing make it harder to do it now, and we think if the circumstances can change or I get in just this right situation, it'll be easier later. That's kind of the general idea of procrastination. You look at the situation and you think, you know what, this is harder now or it's not ideal, so if I just wait till later, it's going to be easier. And so look what the sluggard does. The sluggard does not plow his fields because it's cold, it's, it's hard, it's, it's uncomfortable. And uh, the, the writer is saying that when the slugger doesn't do the most important thing at the right time, he'll later find himself in want. He'll be begging and harvest and have nothing. Uh, Ecclesiastes 11, don't turn there, just stay in Proverbs. But Ecclesiastes 11 says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. And the point that the writer is making, Solomon, he's saying that if you are dealing in, in terms of farming, there are principles of when you need to get the actual seed in the ground, knowing how seasons go. And uh, I would assume, I've never farmed, but I would assume that probably this would be still true today. There's a lot of things about spring that are just messy and uncomfortable, and you've got a lot of precipitation and mud and all of that that would make it not comfortable to get the seed in the ground, but there's probably a pretty well-defined window of when that seed needs to get in the ground. And I could see myself as a farmer looking out the window thinking, wow, those clouds look pretty bad today. Honey, I think I'll get them in tomorrow instead. And a farmer can't think that way. He's got to think, what do I got to do when I got to do it regardless of the circumstances? A couple thought along these lines then, understanding the nature of the problem. Do you know the longer you put off a task, the more that mole hill turns into a mountain? And you've heard the expression, making a mountain out of a molehill. I think procrastination literally makes molehills into mountains. 
and you think about whatever it is, you know, we're here in an academic setting, and you have projects you're doing, lots of times they're a project that would summarize a whole uh, number of weeks of study, like a nine-week block, and you have a project due at the end. And uh, it's easy to look at that task and put it off and put it off and put it off until that task that could have actually been fairly navigable becomes a mountain in front of you, hard to navigate. And that's true of even little things, too. Think of little things, a little task, something that you need to clean. Um, you know, maybe your car, you look at it and you think, you know, I really probably need to clean my car. And, uh, but you're kind of running from thing to thing, and you go to McDonald's again, you throw it in the back seat, and, and you go from thing to thing, and then you, you know, put your papers there. And then by the, uh, that, what could have been a pretty simple task turns into a, a mammoth task. Man, I'm sure some of you have trouble keeping your car clean. Maybe not. Wait until you have kids then it's just almost impossible. Um, consider not the difficulty of the task, but the value gained in the end. You know, part of why procrastination is so pervasive is we're looking at what's happening now, not thinking about, but what will be the end result if I do this thing? And keeping in mind where you're going or what the value is at the latter end actually uh, protects you from pushing it off because of the difficulty. We all have trouble reasoning what the consequences of our actions will be until later. This is part of youth. Let me just say this to you all. Uh, you're younger uh, than others in this room, like, you know, Brother Himes. And uh, there are some things that others that have experienced more life have maybe a better sense of consequence than youth does. And uh, of course, you all are mature than maybe a junior higher. You've experienced more life than they have. But you know, the older you get, the better you can predict consequences of decisions made. And uh, procrastination is something that hits young people even more, maybe than older, because they haven't yet fully experienced the consequence of putting a thing off. And it doesn't mean that when you're older you don't struggle with procrastination. That's not at all what I'm saying. It's a universal trouble. But when you're younger, sometimes it's harder to remember or to, to really put together what this is going to look like in three weeks from now. All they know is right now, oh, I don't know, I really don't want to do it. All right, so procrastination doesn't, it considers not, uh, uh, the solution is to consider not the difficulty, but the value gained in the latter end. Like a farmer, is it hard to put seed in the ground? I've never done it. I've done a little garden. I've never farmed. I would think it's a lot of work, right? Thomas, right? I'm assuming it's a lot of work. Um, but when a farmer is doing his task of planting, He's not thinking about that task. He's thinking about the harvest task. He's thinking about the fruit of his labor. And it gives him what he needs to overcome the difficulty of mud, uh, cold conditions, rain. All of that would accompany uh, the difficulty of planting. Um, this is about your understanding of you in the future. Uh, a difficulty of understanding the future is an innate problem of youth. So it's number one, you have to understand the nature of the problem. That is, you look at the current situation, you think this is not ideal. It'll somehow be better later. And procrastination generally is focused on ease later because of present difficulty or an unpleasantness in circumstances. Understand the nature of the problem. Easier later, easier tomorrow. No, in fact, uh, later is generally harder. And then how about this? Proverbs 13 and verse 4. Flip back to Proverbs 13. So understanding the nature of the problem would be not reckoning why it's better to start now than later. It's going to be harder later. It seems easier later. Uh, Proverbs 13 and verse 4. 
says, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. I had in my mind as I was thinking through this verse, uh, somebody sitting on the couch, you know, eating potato chips, watching television, and watching commercials. And sitting on the couch and just kind of lazing their way, uh, their day away, and watching all these ads about things that they could have. And it's literally like they're sitting there going, I wish I had that, whereas a diligent person just gets going. Says, I'm just going to make it happen. And they, they're industrious, and uh, they're the ones who are made fat. So, I, you know, sitting on a couch makes you fat too, but it's a different kind of fat. Um, it's the diligent that's made uh, fat. They have abundance in their life. It's the sluggard that finds himself wanting all these things, but ultimately they don't have anything. Um, let me say it this way. You know, we all do thrive on accomplishment. I think everybody does. When you finish a task, it feels good. If you have a planner, uh, maybe you have a task list, uh, like a prioritized daily task list, and they, they teach you when you're learning how to plan to, uh, to check off your tasks as you get them done. Uh, when we were learning how to use the Franklin Method, we called it a whoosh. You get a whoosh when you uh, mark off a task. And isn't that true? You get something done, if you can check it off your list, whoosh, it feels good. I got that thing done. It's like you're taking a little bit of weight off of you, unloading your burdensome. And um, there is a thrill. There is a, something we do thrive on accomplishment. So in light of that, we actually contend to accomplish the easier thing first because we get more gratification simply that way. So let's think, you know, you have four different subjects you have to work through on a Tuesday evening. And you think to yourself, well, the easier thing to do would be to do my logic homework because that's the easier class. So you, and that's more fun anyway. So you think, I'm going to do my logic first because that's fun, that's easy, and I'm going to put off my uh, music history till later because that's, that's very difficult. <laughs> and uh, the teacher's very exacting upon me. And so you push that off. Logic. Wow. It's like going to the amusement park. You know what I'm saying? Okay, right? Isn't it true, though? Okay. Maybe not about music history at all. No. Okay. Um, but there is something to be said for you. Look at, okay, what do I got to do? And there's something that you do gravitate to wanting to finish something. And so you can tend to do the easier thing first. We all thrive on accomplishment. Um, learn to break down, uh, this is not new to me, but learn to break task, big, big projects down into small steps and reward yourself for every step taken. Okay, you know that, right? This is not like, whoa, I've never heard that before. But when you can take a big thing and make it small things, then you can feel that sense of accomplishment when you do the small parts of the big thing. And rather than that you know, five to six page paper that's due the day after the nine week block ends and you think, how in the wide world am I gonna get this done? If you can think in terms of, okay, today, here's what I'm gonna get done. This part, make it manageable, and then whoosh, you can experience that. Um, when, uh, when, when Pastor and I and Mr. Mueller were developing the Hour with God in the Christ Walk Journal, you know, just trying to, to embody some of what we were learning about praying an hour a day, uh, we broke it down into a place to, to reflect each, each category of prayer. Uh, worship and praise, waiting on God, uh, dealing with your sin. There's all these little boxes in that journal. And uh, you maybe have never noticed this before, but each box has a little box next to the term. 
And uh, this is really base, base level. But we did that because, at least maybe it's the way my brain worked, I actually, it helps me, it helps move me down the, the, the prayer trail when I can check off the box that I did those five minutes. And uh, so I'm going back to kind of early thoughts on it, um, and maybe another time we could talk again about the prayer hour, and maybe don't want you to misunderstand that there's still something about checking off a box that kind of helps you go, okay, I did that. Remember the first time pastor encouraged us to pray an hour a day, and he gave us this method. And I looked at it, and I, I, I understood right away that breaking it down into parts helped you to approach the whole. But just saying straight off, in fact, I remember when Pastor Gilmore, who had initially found uh, this method, said, this is a method to pray an hour a day. My initial thought was, an hour a day? I can't pray an hour a day. An hour? That's a long time. And, uh, but then breaking it down to these five-minute sections helped. It's like, okay, it gives purpose to every part. Okay, that helps. And uh, the reason we put that little box in there is just something to motivate you. Hey, you know, I got that first part in. Lord, help me continue on for the rest of the hour. Um, my little boys have done this to varying degrees. Maybe they're a little bit past that. But we're trying to teach our kids how to pray uh, the, the hour-a-day method. And uh, they don't typically do five minutes. Maybe they do two minutes per section or so. And I can picture both my boys sitting up in their room in their, in their desk area with a bowl of fruit snacks. And uh, so the way that they did it was, I don't know if they've done this for a while, but after a five-minute section, they would get a fruit snack. And it was like what they needed to motivate them, you know, all the way through. So they broke it down to an hour, first five minutes, uh, first two minutes, one minute, eat a fruit snack, you know, intercession and praise, uh, intercession and um, uh, petition, two fruit snacks, you know. Um, <laughs> Anyway, all right, but listen, learning to break things down is part of what helps kick procrastination. If the thing you need to do remains big, it is harder to approach. If you can take the time and break it down, it makes it easier to approach it. Um, my kids are in the Bible quiz program, and I think the baseline standard for Bible quizzing is 10 verses a week. I think something like that, 10 verses a week, which essentially is two verses a day. So if you memorize two verses a day, That'll be 10 verses in, in the course of a week. And uh, so I can remember a couple years ago talking to one of my kids about this, just challenging them to get their 10 verses in that week. And uh, I was talking to them on a Tuesday. Bible quizzing is on Tuesday, at least it was at that point. And uh, so that evening, they're talking about their schedule. I said, well, make sure you memorize two verses. And this person said, well, I don't need to memorize two verses tonight. We had quizzing today. I just need 10 done by next Tuesday morning. I said, well, then do two tonight. Yeah, but I don't have to do it tonight. I only have to do it for five days. It's just ten verses, so I'm going to take tonight off and do it later. And I remember challenging this, uh, this child. I said, if you don't do it tonight, you will not get ten verses in. And there was that, that little bit of, of perspective difference. Well, but, if, but I, have five, I only have to do five days. There's seven days in a week, Dad. Don't you know that? And I said, yes, but if you don't do it today, you will not get all ten in for the week. And you understand what I mean by that. If you put off, if you take your grace days, the first two days, what are you going to do when on Friday night this thing comes up that was completely unanticipated and you lost that day? And uh, so if you have different goals you have to do for piano practice or for your instrument practice, don't wait until later. Do it every day. I don't know if that's how it works with your instrument. It's probably something like that. Or another thing my wife is good with the kids about is scheduling out their evening, and she actually has them show her their schedule. All right, here's what I'm going to do tonight. Here's how it's going to look. I'm assuming this is still, you know, how we do it. So they make up their own schedule, and generally we encourage them to have built into their schedule some wiggle room. 
you know, maybe 30 minutes of flex time. And uh, it's interesting that some of the Schultz kids figure into their schedule, you know, a 30-minute window of flex time, and then decide to use the 30 minutes of flex time first. Well, okay, well, no, but look, it all works on, if I do this first 30 minutes, it's all going to work. And I, I, more than one of my kids, it's not just one, and nobody in this room. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh, no, I've got, I've, I've got this 30 minutes of flex time, and so I'm going to first go outside and play basketball. Okay, and then invariably, those same kids at the end of the night, I didn't get everything done. What do you mean I have to go to bed? Well, it's bedtime. Look at your schedule. But I didn't get it all done because they didn't use their time wisely, okay? So think in terms of doing the harder thing first, break the big thing into smaller tasks, so learn to break down projects into manageable tasks. And the truth is, it just pays to start. Okay, both of those are actually fairly well, um, na- uh, fi- pretty well traversed trails. I think you both, you knew all of those things or those two things. Um, but I want to deal then with something that's a little bit more particular to where we're at. And that would be, thirdly, deal with your emotions. Deal with your emotions. Let me say one more thing about the last one. I, I failed to mention this. Planning is a good thing. Uh, you should learn how to plan. But also don't get distracted by planning. Uh, another thing that happens in the Schultz homes is uh, maybe the Schultz kids will get really motivated. They're going to plan and become the most efficient people ever. And so they'll go to the room and they will make up a, a, a schedule color code it, put stickers on it, I mean, it's beautiful, and they spend more time planning (laughs) than doing the thing. And uh, it's not just a girl thing more than a guy thing, but maybe it's, well, it's it's both, maybe it's more girls. But, you know, make, well, no, maybe not, maybe it is both. Uh, You can spend so much time preparing that you actually don't do what you're trying to do, okay? So just crank out a schedule and then get going. Doing your plan uh, planning is a good thing. Doing your plan is even a greater thing. Yeah, okay. Okay, but let's deal with your emotions. Here we go, Proverbs twenty-two thirteen. Proverbs twenty-two thirteen. I like this verse. I think it's, I think it's very uh, humorous. Proverbs twenty-two thirteen. The slothful man saith, there is a lion without. I shall be slain in the streets. Okay, I've never, I've never, I, I've never met this man. I've met some that are like it. Maybe this man lived next to the zoo. You know, maybe this is a legitimate excuse. Most likely, this is a pretty silly excuse. You know, here's this man sitting in his house saying, Whoa, are you kidding? If I leave, I'll get eaten by a lion. (laughs) Actually, Pastor Swanson knows all about that. We talked about it last week. The man who got eaten by a lion. Not eaten, just killed by the lion. All right, so it's a silly excuse. Um, that would be like, you know, you're sitting at home and you know you need to go out and do such and such a thing. And you think, but well, I don't know, if I did, if I did, what if I tripped and stubbed my toe and, and broke my shoulder? I mean, that would be, nah, it would be better just to stay here, you know. Or it would be like somebody saying, if I go to the grocery store, I might get COVID. No, I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> I'm not going to go to the grocery store. It's silly, right? That's a silly thing to think you're going to get COVID at the grocery store. Silly. Totally silly. Okay, sorry, I'm kind of kind of kidding. Um, Okay, there's three emotions you have to deal with, and maybe it'd be good to just jot this down. The three emotions that you do have to deal with when you're trying to overcome procrastination is, number one, fear. And uh, fear is very real. Why do you put something off? There's often because you you are intimidated by it. Think about that paper, the five, six-page paper due the Monday after the nine-week block, and it's just intimidating to you. You, you. You have trouble getting started. You're not good at writing papers. 
You just feel like it's just a very difficult task and you're afraid of it. And fear does often cause us to push something off. Fear mostly of just, I don't know really how to do it well, or it's an unknown to me. And uh, I've experienced this many ways, where there's something I know I need to do, but I've never yet done it, and it's just intimidating. And uh, I think of projects around my house, something I really want to get done. I can conceive of what it would be, but I've never done that yet, and it's intimidating. And so I put it off. And uh, you could probably think of other illustrations. Do you know another emotion that does accompany procrastination is guilt? And interestingly enough, procrastination produces guilt, and then the guilt associated by procrastinating can actually keep you from doing the project. It's it's interesting that guilt is generally not an effective motivator. What guilt can do is cause you to shut down. So let's say, you know, you're feeling badly here. It's week six of the nine-week block, and you haven't even started your project, and you're feeling the pressure, not quite enough pressure to fully engage, but you're feeling badly that you haven't done it. Your friends have already started. You haven't started. You're feeling guilt. And in a certain way, that guilt can actually push you further from doing the task. you got to recognize it. Guilt is an actual reality that can hold you back from just getting it done. But the last one is probably where the rubber meets the road, and that's pleasure. Pleasure. You have fear, fear of the unknown, fear of doing the task, uh, guilt by not getting it done, but pleasure. Uh, the core cause of our not getting our, our tasks done or whatever's in front of us done is uh, we prefer instant gratification. That's not just unique to America, but it certainly is in America. As I was uh, looking at these notes, I remembered a Betty Crocker commercial from when I was a little kid. And uh, I actually looked it up. I watched it this morning. It brought back memories from 1989. And it was Betty Crocker Microwave Cake. And I don't know why I remembered it. I remember it for this one phrase. Uh, Betty Crocker Microwave Cake. So in the commercial, and as I watched it, it's just classic, like, 1980s you know, television. You have no clue what that is, but... Um, so it's this, this lady talking in the background. There's this lady in the kitchen with her little daughter. And it starts by something like this. You want cake. No, you want cake now. I need cake. And so she pulls out the Betty Crocker microwave cake and sets the timer or the, uh, the, the time of the microwave for four minutes. And in four minutes, she's got a fresh cake. And the last line is instant, total gratification. Yeah. That's why I remember it. It was the yeah that kind of caught me. Instant, total gratification. Yeah. I don't know if I ever had a microwave cake, but uh, we put off things because we actually can, can very naturally just want to do what's going to give us the immediate uh, feeling of what's more comfortable, what's more gratifying. And uh, so even though you know you should study, it's more fun to, uh, to sit and talk to your, your roommate, or you know you need to do this or that, but it's a whole lot easier to do that. And uh, actually, pleasure is a major part of uh, procrastination. Uh, here's another phrase. I don't think I used this before. Another quote, you can feel good today or succeed tomorrow. Have you ever heard that before? I didn't make that one up. You can feel good today or succeed tomorrow. And I think that applies not just to academics, but to a lot of things in your life. Feel good today or succeed 
tomorrow. My wife often says to our kids this phrase, heed not your feelings, get to work. Uh, one of my kids the other day was at kind of a meltdown mode at 9.30 at night and after probably making up a beautiful schedule with lots of colors and pictures, at the end of the night things weren't done and they had that little bit of just panic, meltdown, I just can never do anything right, I have all these issues and so on. And while this child is lamenting they don't have enough time, they're wasting time lamenting they don't have enough time. And I finally said to this child, I said, just go get going. Well, I can't. I'm just a failure. And whatever. All these different things. And literally the clock kept ticking. And I finally said, quoting Mrs. Schultz, heed not your feelings. Get to work. And I sent them up to their room. And uh, do you know panic, speaking of guilt, but panic can lock you down. And you can get to a place where I, I'm not, I don't know. Now I'm in huge trouble. And uh, even at that moment, kick procrastination aside and get going. Heed not your feelings. Get to work. Uh, the other day, my wife and I uh, had to clean up our, our basement from Christmas. And uh, my kids did a very nice thing for us. Uh, my wife was away for the, uh, the week before we started the semester. And while she was gone, the kids took down Christmas. And uh, in doing so, just because of what they were doing, they're running, doing things, I gave them permission just to, to, to keep it all, just put it all away in the basement, but not, not fully put away, just kind of put the pieces down there, we'll deal with it later. And so it was a blessing. My wife came home, the house was clean, but there was a second task in the basement, and they had total permission to do that. It wasn't their problem. So last Thursday, uh, my wife and I talked about that we were going to take a few minutes, we were just going to organize the basement, get Christmas put away. Well, it involved a number of things. We had to pull bins out of storage. We had to move this thing to there, and we had to pack this up, and it actually turned into a pretty significant task. It took us all day. We started, you know, mid-morning, and I don't think we were done until, you know, the kids came home from school. I can remember mid-part of that day very clearly thinking, ah, I think I'm done with this. I don't think we need We can do the rest of this later. And uh, I remember experiencing those emotions of this is hard. This is my day off. It's Thursday. I should be sitting on the couch, drinking coffee with my wife instead of in the basement, putting away garland. And uh, so there was a point where I thought, you know, this is too hard. Let's do the rest later. And it wasn't like a huge conflict in my mind, but I realized if we don't do it today, it's not going to get better later. And so we got it out and got it done. So deal with your emotions. Okay, last thing. Last thing. When you're dealing with procrastination, it's not even just understanding the reality of it's harder later, though that's true, or learning how to break a big thing down to small things. That's true. Or even recognizing the emotional realities within fear, guilt, uh, the desire for what feels better. Even all of those things are important to know. The last thing is the number one thing to know, and that is number four. The big issue really is what is God's will for you right now? But what is God's will for you today? And I feel like what we end up doing when we're talking about procrastination, we put it in a category other than the category it should be in. So we make procrastination its own thing. But rightly defined, procrastination is actually in the category of disobedience. To put something off that you're supposed to do now till later means you're not obeying it right now. Uh, Luke 9.59 says this, He said unto another, Follow me. This is the Lord speaking. He said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. 
Another said, another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And uh, those are kind of hard words. You think, well, what's wrong with going and, and you know, saying goodbye to your loved ones and, and you know, burying your, your father? What's wrong with that? But the point Jesus is making is, when I've called you to do something, no excuse counts. And these are obviously pretty significant excuses. And when the Lord Jesus speaks, no excuse counts. And uh, one of my kids, uh, he, he's very good at when he gets zoned into the thing, staying there until it's done. Okay, that's fine, except for when I need him to stop doing what he's doing and calling him away, and he can't pack it up. And uh, there's been more than once, we've talked to this one about this, he'll get himself just going on this thing, and he's all into the thing, hey, so-and-so, come here. And it's just doing his thing. No, Daddy says, come, you just need to come right now. And they can't turn their brain off from the thing they're doing to turn and obey. All right, that's not procrastination, that's disobedience. But when you're, when you're told by the Lord Jesus to do something, and you say, yes, Lord, later, that's disobedience. Delayed obedience is, in fact, disobedience. Um, why don't you turn to this passage? This is Hebrews 3. We're actually done in Proverbs for now. Uh, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 3, in verse number 12. It says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And uh, today is the day to do what the Lord Jesus called you to do. And uh, it's easy for us to think that tomorrow will be better. Um, years ago, we had a preacher come through, and I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been, might have been a missionary. But somebody used this phrase that has never left me. And it was this phrase, willing, but not yet obedient. And I think a lot of us can fall into that category. Oh, Lord, I'm willing. No, Lord, I'm not, I'm not resisting you. I'm just not yet obedient. And delayed obedience is anything but obedience. Delayed obedience is not obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And if the Lord Jesus tells you to do something, he wants you to do it post-haste. Last passage, this is Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to read a few verses actually together. Uh, verse 20, uh, Matthew 25, beginning at verse number 1. Then said the, shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather uh, to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready with, uh, went in and, uh, with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch ye, uh, watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. And the point of that parable is that we need to be ready and, uh, ready and active in the work of the Lord. You can't put it off till later. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Probably the best way to get around... Uh, uh, 
uh, let me say, when I was in high school, um, I struggled with procrastination. <clears throat> Still, obviously, something i got to work my way through. Um, I can remember just my room would get messy, and I found the best way to clean my desk was to sit down at my desk two days before a project was due. If I had two days to get the project done, then I found myself wasting the time putting my pens over here, sorting the papers over here, making this pile over here, and I could literally waste an hour at my desk doing nothing of value. Uh, anyway, you know most diets start tomorrow or next week. You know, oh, no, I'm, go hey, I'm willing to diet. I just haven't started yet. Most diets start tomorrow or next week or the month later, depending upon how things are going. Um, okay, in application, uh, my mother-in-law, oh, I was going to tell you who did it. My mother-in-law is the one who gave me that alarm clock. Anyway, why she did it, I don't know. But uh, the alarm clock with the remote snooze button. Oh, I wasn't going to say who it was. Forget that part. Anyway, somebody I knew, uh, somebody I know, I still know this person gave me this alarm clock. Um, I want to talk about the snooze button just really briefly. I want you to look at Galatians 5, and I'm going to end with this thought. The snooze button is a grand demonstration of procrastination. Galatians 5.16 says this. These are super familiar verses. It says, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Um, I don't know if you're like me. I'm assuming that we have some similarity. Um, when I think in terms of when I need to wake up in the morning, I generally think in terms of max sleep. All right, so let's see. It's 10.30. I'm going to bed. When is, this is how I think, when is the latest I can get up and still get everything in? Okay, so in the morning, I've got to, uh, I'm going to eat breakfast. I'm going to brush my teeth, hopefully in that order. Um, I'm going to, i got to shower, get dressed. I'd like to spend an hour with God. And so I kind of look at the clock and I think, okay, if I'm going to do those things, it's going to take me so long to do such and such. Okay, and i got to be, you know, wherever at such a time, and I work my way backward. Have you ever done this? You know, you kind of work your way backward, and you think, okay, so if that's the case, and i got to be at this place at that time, do these things, that means i got to wake up. Okay, I can sleep till 5.30. Okay. Good plan. I can sleep till 5.30. I can still get up, get it all done. Set your alarm, 5.30. Have you ever noticed how brilliant your mind is at 5.30 to redo your schedule? Somehow at 5.30, you have the ability to, hyper, uh, to, to quickly analyze your morning and know, oh, no, actually, I don't have to get up at 5.30. I can push snooze at least one time. And then, because you're already in that mode, when it goes off nine minutes later, you realize, no, actually, I can get it all done if I get up at 548. So this will work out just fine. Has that ever happened to you? You know, your alarm goes off and you're able to that fast redo your morning schedule that at 1030 when you were fairly well alert, at 530 you can do it different. Do you know what? Listen, I'm telling you folks, listen. When you start your day, let me say this. When you made up your schedule the night before, did you have a mind of obedience in that? My guess is probably. You probably did. You probably were thinking, I want to spend the time with the Lord. I want to make sure I have everything in place, doing what I'm supposed to. You, you want to approach the day right, 
probably most of you that way, when you're going to bed, you think, tomorrow I want to approach the day right. And so when you went to bed, in a sense, you probably scheduled for obedience. So in the morning, when your alarm goes off, and you really quickly rethink how I can do this different, or whatever, 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 and you push snooze, you are literally starting your day in disobedience. And in a sense, you're starting your day yielding from the very get-go to the flesh. And the flesh, lust against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, they're contrary one to another. And I want to challenge you with this, and this is really what I want you to walk away with. Do you know the best way to begin your day filled with the Holy Spirit of God is get up when you plan to. Which means the night before you need to talk to the Lord about it. Lord, when do I really need to get up? I don't like that feeling of anxiety that comes when I'm rushing through the morning and then I'm very inward and I'm very fleshly. Lord, when do I need to get up? I want to spend time with you. And make it a matter of obedience. And if that's when you need to get up, then when that alarm goes off, by the grace of God, throw your legs out of bed and get up. You're never going to feel good. You, are never, you will never feel like it. But when you do what you feel like doing, when the alarm goes off, you are literally setting a trend of flesh indulgence for the day. And I think a lot of us struggle. I'll include myself in this. I think a lot of us struggle because the first decision made in the day is a flesh decision. It's a decision of disobedience. An alarm is an obedience issue. Uh, you can procrastinate, but heed not your feelings. Get up. And in doing so, you're saying, Lord, I'm choosing you today. I'm choosing you. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for the students here. Uh, Lord, I understand. I think all of us recognize just to talk about procrastination. It is it's something we're sensitive to. I think we all can easily identify with guilt and, and uh, feelings of I, I should do better. Lord, I pray right now for all these students right here. I pray especially for the matter of obedience in the morning. I pray that you would show them, help them to understand what, what is the right way to approach their morning routine to give that prime time to you and then, Lord Jesus, I pray that out of just simple obedience, these students would make the decision to obey you from the first moment of their awakening. And, Lord, I pray, would you help us to, to, to move past procrastination because, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. May we follow you, I pray, in Jesus' name.